Please be seated. So y'all know me kind of well now. You know that I like to do this Finding God series. Um, it actually started in San Angelo. Uh, and San Angelo was like, wouldn't that be fun if, you know, we looked for God? Because I was talking about a scripture in the book of Acts that um, says that everywhere in this world, there is a witness to God. Even if you don't have to come into a church, that God has specifically left witnesses, evidences of himself in the world for people who might never come in so that they could know the love of God. They were like, wouldn't that be fun to like go look? And then they started saying, I bet you couldn't find God here or there. So it's kind of like a dare. I was like, game on. We're going to do a whole sermon series of looking for God in strange places. And so let me read you the scripture and tell you um, where I'm looking today. Um, this is from Mark chapter 3. Actually, it's chapter 1. Sorry. Chapter 1, starting in verse 32. That evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. Before daybreak the next, mor- daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So um, last year, I was challenged. I I decided, somebody on the staff said, you should let the youth pick a spot for you to go. And the youth picked a Lake Travis football game. And specifically, they picked the one at DKR Stadium, which I think they just wanted to get me into that burnt orange bowl. Um, But they they picked that one. It was the one against Westlake, right, Jay? Yeah. I see a lot of y'all are wearing your orange, so you get me here. Um, So I, I said I'd do it. I said I'd go there, and um, I did go, and I was with some of the youth and some, some of y'all from church, and um, Tracy was there, and I'll tell you about that in a minute, but I didn't get to preach the sermon. I never even got to write the sermon, in fact, because the fires, the fires hit, and so we changed course in the middle of that, um, but as I came back to this series this year, I was like, man, I still remember where I saw God that night in the middle of the Longhorn Stadium, you know, in the middle of an unholy land. Yeah, I was... <laughs> looking for the presence of God. And I saw God, um, which was amazing. And so um, I, I wanted to share it with you because um, it's been so meaningful to me as I think back on that night. It's so timely because so many of us need what I saw that night um, that I decided I'd share it. So let me take you back in time. We've been having a nice summer, right? Pretty nice. I mean, we've had hard times, but this summer, climate-wise, it's been good, right? Maybe we don't want to say that too loud, because do you remember last summer? Anybody remember last? Oh, that was misery, wasn't it? Like, every time you walked outside, I just remember walking in the Galleria parking lot. My kid, we all had our heads down. <laughs> we were walking, like, from the library to the car. We are just thinking, it's so hot. You just, oh, it was like an oven. And the night of the football game, it wasn't a night. It was an afternoon, right? Um, it was the hottest day in Texas history. It was 112 degrees. We parked like five miles from the stadium. We had to walk through the heat. All these people are all around. We heard people saying, 
I didn't realize how big the Westlake Lake Travis rivalry, I mean, I knew it was big, but I didn't realize until that night how big it was. I heard people, we didn't have, I had on like a Lake Travis necklace, but if you looked at me, and I think I had the, I don't know. Anyway, they might have just been being rude. They might have been clueless, but there were some Westlake people in front of us, and they said, Lake Travis is just white trash with money. <laughs> so, um, Wow. And so we had the sunny side of the stadium, and there were all these kinds of, you know, all these T-shirts and stuff. We were on the white trash with money side of the stadium, um, and that was the sunny side. And I have this picture of Anna and Leah with the Cavalier. They're like red and sweaty. Like, that's just, I took a few pictures, and all of us, it doesn't matter, man, woman, all of us were just like, Red and sweaty. That was all. But we were there to cheer the team on. The stadium was full. It was amazing. Water was selling for $4, and it was a bargain. (laughs) You just had to drink it before it evaporated. So I was trying to find God in the midst of that sunny side, that great intense rivalry before I succumbed to heat stroke. And And I actually, God was merciful because at the very beginning, I saw him. Now, I don't know how many of y'all have been to a Lake Travis football game. I bet a lot of y'all, right? A lot. I don't know if they do this every time. I think I've been told that they did. Um, that when the team came out, when the Cavaliers came out, um, they went as a whole team and they lined up and they knelt on the goal line. Do they do that every time? That was amazing. I was like, wow. I've never seen any other team anywhere do that. I've seen people, you know, offer up, like after a touchdown, right, to God. I've never seen at the beginning of the game, before you know the outcome, for an entire team as one to kneel down, especially on the goal line. That was amazing. Now, for some kids, I kind of watched. I was watching really closely. And Tracy was next to me. She was like, hey, look at this. Look at what they're doing. Everybody was like, do you see God in this? I'm like, yeah, I see God in this, right? Some of them popped right up. Some of the football players, it wasn't like a mandatory time. Some of them popped right up. Some of them lingered. For some, it was just a ritual. For some, you could tell it was like this centering time. For others, I think it must have been a time to say, God, please help me. Please help me play my best. But what I loved the most is not that they did it, but where they did it. That they knelt on the place that they wanted to get. The place that they would spend the next two hours scrambling and working to get back to. And I thought, that speaks to all of us so well. All of us. Because all of us have to admit that we've lived life a lot without really knowing where the goal line is. Right? Now, y'all are like, no. I always know where I'm headed. Oh, yeah? When's the last time you got in the car to go somewhere and you made some turns and you realized you weren't going that way? You know, the autopilot, right? Or you realized your spouse was doing that, maybe? Now, now maybe you can laugh. That you, you just start making the turns that you always make, and you realize I'm not headed in the right direction. I'm actually headed away, but I'm going to work, right? Or I'm going to school, or I'm going to the store because that's the way I always go. We need goals. We need a place to head to, and actually we need to begin our days by kneeling on the goal line not just hoping that we're going to wander our way into it. The irony of this, um, how many of y'all at some point of your life have had to set goals at work? I do. 
they ask those, what are the goals for your church this year? You know, like, or sometimes they just say, here are the goals for your church this year. <laughs> um, it can go either way at work, right? We can either be given our goals or we can, you know, form them. And so we can form goals at work. What about when you play sports? Jay, when you play tennis, do you have a goal in mind? Do you just want to play well and cheat? Okay. <laughs> Who else plays sports here? Yeah, Carol. To finish, right, right. Like, Jana and I are, gonna, are training for a half marathon, and my goal, we have a couple. My goal is one, to do it, right? Just do it. And then we're, we're working on, like, a time. Like, we want to not do it for five hours. We'd like to do it for, like, two and a half or something. To finish it, to do it. What about when y'all play, like, uh, volleyball or softball or something on a team? You know what we tell our kids? What do we tell our kids? Have fun. But what do we, what do, how do we play? Win, right. Are, I mean, y'all want to win, right? You're not just out there playing to have fun. I mean, sometimes. But mostly we're actually trying to win. We have a goal. We will make it, right? We have that goal. So we have it in our work. We have it when we play games. When you come to church, I've been talking to you a lot lately about our goals as a church, about how we want to grow so that we can welcome new people so that our ministry can expand all the stuff. I invite you to be a part of it. I invite you to make these goals some of your goals, right? And then we get to the most important area of, of us, right, to the most crucial thing, my life and what I will do with this life that God has given me. And we're kind of like, well, I'll just go to work today or I'll just do what I do and I'll just hope that it works out well. And when we do that, it ends up looking more like this. Looking. Does. Stops, throws, completes it to Kilmer up at the 30-yard line. Kilmer driving for the first down, loses the football. It's picked up by Jim Marshall, who's running the wrong way. Marshall is running the wrong way. And he's running it into the end zone the wrong way. Thinks he scored a touchdown. He has scored a safety. His teammates were running along the far side of the field. Russ trying to tell him to go back. I don't want to do that, do y'all? I don't want that to be me. Um, the first step in setting goals is figuring out where you're going, okay? What you want to hit. A lot of times we just go through life and we're just letting it happen. We're just running. I mean, that guy was giving his all, right? Yeah! <laughs> Safety, okay. We have to figure out where the goal line is. That's what I loved about seeing God that night is um, all of those students knelt on the goal line. There's no confusion. This is where we're trying to get. This is where we want to be. Um, we need to think about that for our lives. What's the big goal of our lives? Because the Bible warns us if we don't think about that, we're going to put our lives on autopilot and we're going to end up where we don't want to. Proverbs 14.12 says, there is a path before each person that seems right, but in the end it leads to death. So, the serious side of this is if we just kind of go on the thing that seems right, it seems right, we're going towards death. What does God want to give us? It's the opposite of death. Life. Abundant life. Abundant life is not just something for us to have when we die, that we, that we go on and be in heaven with God. Abundant life is what God wants to pour into us right now, today, this week, this new school year. Abundant life life. But if it turns out that there's a path that seems right to me, but actually that's the death path, how do I get to the life path? Well, I have to have the right goal. 
And I'll give, you, I'll give you a hint, okay? I'll give you the goal. How about I give you the goal, and then we work on how to get there. The goal is to live a life that pleases God. That's how we get to abundant life, is we bring our lives more in harmony with what God wants. So if you want to put an end zone out there, you put a life that pleases God. That's the way to abundant life. Now, for each of you, it's going to be different. Our lives look different. The, the hash marks along the way are different. We're all looking at a different playing field. We're all facing a different opponent right now. And the way I get to a life that pleases God, even though we're all going the same way, is going to be different than the way Carol does or the way Kevin does, the way Ron does. It's going to be different. We're all going to get there differently. But we have to actually give thought to it. So I want you to think about this. In the next two to six months, I, often, I was thinking about this. I thought maybe before Christmas, what is it that God would like you to accomplish? What is it that God would like you to overcome? Like a sin that is holding you back that you're thinking, you know what, by Christmas, I think God would like me to have a significant part of that behind me. What relationship do you want to set right? Because see, there's so many steps along the way that we have to break it down smaller. So we have to say, okay, what now, God? And I would invite you to invite the Lord into this. Like, what is the next step for me? It can be more than one thing. It could be a few, but don't make it 10. You know, make it one or two things that you would accomplish. Think about this. Um, What about your marriage? I think a lot of times in our marriage, we think, if I make it, right? It's like I make it. And we celebrate 50 years, and we eat some cake, and ride in a limo, we're going to, like, go slap a high five. Hey, baby. We endured, right? You think that's what God really wants? Like, you think that's why God gave you that person, so that you could endure? What would be the goal for your marriage? In the next two to six months before Christmas, what would you think that God would love to see? What would get you more to a life that pleases God, to the end zone, right? In that most central relationship in your life, if you're married. Maybe um, encouragement, right? Maybe you could work on encouraging each other. Maybe you're saying, we want to start praying together. Maybe you're saying, uh, we want to serve together. or We want to be more passionate or more loving or we want to be more adventurous or what is it? Just think about that. It's going to be different for all of us. Okay, what about your kids? Because I assume some of y'all are here because you have kids or grandkids and they brought their backpacks, right? And you know what all parents say around this time of year? Not hooray. That's not what I'm thinking of. (laughs) Although that too. Um, We all say, man, where does the time go? Right? My my mother-in-law came here, and she hasn't seen the kids in like a month or two. She said, man, they're so big. Where, Where is the time going? We all know the time is going fast, right? Are we doing anything about it? Why did God give us children? To endure. Yes, some days, yes. But maybe there's more to that. Maybe there is more that we could do. Maybe um, we need to think about our kids, look at them, even if they're grown. I mean, we can't influence them as much then. Grandkids, though, and say, you know, what do we hope I could help you learn in this next few months? Who does God want you to become in this next piece of time? So that's the first thing. Find the goal line, the end zone. 
that's a life that pleases God, and then look closer and say, what's the next hash mark, and how do I get there? Now, don't stop there, um, because if we find it, then what we're going to do is we're going to try to muscle our way to it. But what did the Cavaliers do? What did the Cavs do? They found it, and they knelt down. And they closed their eyes, and they invited. If, and some of them, like it was a ritual, but others, they were inviting God to speak to them in that place. Say, here I am at the goal line. Speak to me here. I love that because if we don't pour ourselves into God's hands, if we don't allow God to fill us, then we are going to be really drawn away by the other coaches of the world, okay? Has anybody ever tried to coach you, told you what they thought was good for your life? Has that ever happened to y'all? Maybe it's just when you're a pastor. I don't know. Um, But if we don't seek what God wants for our lives, where we're going, what our goals are with God, then other people, our neighbors, the media, our boss, will begin to tell us what our goals are and coach us how to play. They're going to have us running in the wrong direction. One of y'all sent me an article written by a palliative care nurse who was with patients in their last days, and she had written about the regrets. Like, isn't that sad that, like, the common thing when you're dying is you have regrets? Here's the good news. We're still alive, and so we have some, a chance to do something about that. And their number one regret was, I wish I had lived the life I knew I should live instead of what others thought of me, instead of what others expected from me. And they said, they, I didn't realize half of my dreams because I was too busy thinking about what others thought. That's sad, but it's true. So we have like 76 people who want to coach our lives, but we have one voice that matters, And that's the voice of God. And so what I would invite y'all to do is every day, and I would say the beginning because it helps set your mind right. Remember how I said pray 10 minutes a day? Kneel down if you can. Bow your head and say, God. I have a friend who's another pastor who says, God, work through me today. Give this day to you. And just recenter yourself on who am I? I'm trying to live a life pleasing to God. And how will I do that today? God, help me. Um, what comforts me so much is that Jesus had to deal with this. Did you realize that Jesus had to deal with people who thought they knew for how for him to be the Messiah? They've been waiting for a long time for Messiah. Everybody read the scriptures. Everybody's like, I know what the Messiah is going to do and be like, right? And they had no problem telling Jesus about this. And so Jesus goes to this town like I, I showed you. He's in Simon's hometown. He heals Simon's mother, and people are like, whoa. And they go crowd in around the door, and he heals them. That's what he's there to do. And then in the morning, he sneaks away, and there's this frantic manhunt. Where is Jesus, you know? And they finally find him, and what do they say? Jesus, everyone is looking for you. That's what they really say. Everyone is looking for you. What is the implication? Get back here right now, right? And Jesus says, we must go on to other towns. Nope, not going back. We must go on to other towns, and I must preach to them too. That is why I came. See, in the midst of all of those demands, and he would have lots of demands placed on him, of people who thought they knew what a Messiah should be, um, how he should act. Ooh, you're eating with the wrong people. You're saying the wrong difficult things. You're not feeding us as much as we want. Heal some more people. Come back to our town. Jesus was able, because he spent time regularly with his father, with God, he was able to focus on, I am the Savior, and I'm going to have to move on. 
And so he did disappoint me, people. He left before they were ready for him to leave. He left before everybody was fed. He left before every sick person was healed. I'm sure that was hard. But he knew that he wasn't just going to be the Savior for one town. He was going to be the Savior for the world. And that's what I would have you do is I would have you kneel daily like Jesus did and pray so that when all of the grabbing hands come at you and say, do this for me, do this for me, do this for me, do this for me, you'll be able to say, which of those is who God is calling me to be? And which of those very good things do I just need to say no to? And I've had people say no to me before when I ask y'all to serve. No. I'm like always disappointed, but then I'm like, you know what? If it's not you, God has someone. It's not like God's like, well, figure it out, you know? It helps us when we kneel at the goal line, sort through all the needs, and figure out which ones are for us. That's number two. Finally, you need to be open as you kneel. That's what I worry about the most, that I would preach this sermon, and you would go and you would think about your goals, and um, you would invite God to run the plays, right? Here's the game plan, God. Just run these plays for me, and we'll have it. And it's actually the reverse, it's that we kneel down and we, we, inv- we ask God, where do you see my life going? Who is it that you see that I can become? And how do I get there? And give me strength to face the obstacles, the opponents, the challenges, the things that don't go my way because every play doesn't run correctly and to keep going, Lord, help me keep going. Help me remember, like we told the kids, everything is possible. Help me remember that. And if we do that, now y'all are going to know how much I love you, because this is a Vince Young clip. He's not playing for UT, but he's playing, okay, right? This is hard for me. This is a 99-yard run, and it doesn't happen in a second. It happens over time, over time, over time. I want you to look at this. And he downed it at the one-yard line. Young gets time. Nobody open. And he throws and completes it. The deep ball today. Anytime he's thrown the deep ball, it's been perfect. Second and four. Outside, the catch made by Bo Scaife. Out of bounds. Incomplete. Bad receivers in. Young turns and throws. Too low. Fourth down. Young throws outside to Kenny Britton. He's got it. Sees it, and Britt does. On first down, the pass batted in the air. And it's caught by Bo Scaife. Young again on first down, outside to Lavelle Hawkins. The rookie tight end Jared Cook, number 89, is in the game. And that pass is to Jared Cook, and he's out of bounds. Young gets time, waits and throws too high. Everybody out. Young pulls it down. Gets away and runs and goes out of bounds. In for Tennessee. Pressure. Blitz coming. And he gets rid of it incomplete. They show Blitz. They come with it. And the pass complete to Lavelle Hawkins. Inside the 30 and out of bounds. At the 31. Young throws and completes to the tight end, Boskate. Young with time. Fakes. Throws deep into the end zone. Overthrows Nate Washington. Pressure coming. The pass caught by Jared Cook. And he's out of bounds inside the 15-yard line.
Three wide receivers. Both skates to tight end. Young fakes, throws, incomplete. Young fakes, started to run. They've got him. Everybody out. Young looks, throws, off the hands, incomplete. With a game on the line, Vince Young looks. Don't hold, don't hold. Runs, throws, catch. It's caught for a touchdown by Timmy Vick. Isn't that amazing? I love that series of plays because there's not like this amazing like Hail Mary like, oh, 99 yards, and it's perfect the first time. Did you see how many times it was high? It was too low. It was incomplete. You know what the announcer said after this? I didn't want to show you the whole thing. He said, Vince Young, you know what he did? He said he kept his eyes down the field. He kept his eyes down the field. He just kept looking at the goal line. He didn't go, oh, my gosh, it's 21 seconds left. I can't do this. He kept his eyes down the goal line. And that's why they won the game. And that's how we'll win. That's how we'll get there to that life that pleases God, is we will just keep our eyes down the field. We will just keep our eyes on the goal line, that life that pleases God, and know that no matter what, we are going to get there because, you don't want to say it with me, everything is possible with God. Do you all know that verse? Everything is possible with God. Let's pray. God, we um, do thank you that you are the God of the possible, that whatever field it is that each of us is playing on today, remind us of that goal line, that life that pleases you, that, that life that will lead to our deep joy too, to, to being who we truly are, who you made us to be, Lord. Help us to meet you daily on that goal line and to seek you and pray for your help. As we encounter opposition, as we persevere through difficulties, as we capitalize on opportunities, help us to never forget that goal and also never forget that you are with us every step of the way. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.